Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. If you were here last week, you know that we're in a series called Helping People Experience Life in Jesus. And we are working through over three weeks who we are as a church. It's the beginning of the new year for us. Our fiscal year starts on October 1. The school year marks the beginning of our calendar as a church. We all take off the summer, but then we reset and we regroup. And we want to remember who we are so that this year, more than ever, you will be and become the Jesus person that he wants you to be. Don't raise your hand and don't answer out loud. How many of you actually want to grow? Like in your heart, you know Jesus, you know of him, you've experienced him, and, and you're, you're, you're moving along, but you, in your heart, you're like, there's more. There's more of him to be had. There's more of his life to show up in your life. There's, there are more things that he wants for you and for me to be about, and, and we're, we want more of it. Well, if that's you, this series is hopefully just going to remind you of the pathways that we have to get to that destination. But first, an update on, um, on my mom and dad. I, I was shared last week, I'd driven up, left at like 4.30 in the morning, came up here because my mom has been dealing with a, a really serious illness and preached mid-message. I, I mocked my sister. I'm like, way to call me in the middle of my message. She's like, you do have do not disturb, which I didn't use. And so I literally left from here, grabbed lunch, drove down there and have been there most of the week. So I just want to say thank you for, I've just been flooded in a beautiful way with love and support from you. Uh, even though we, we haven't known what's been going on, mom, my mom was in the hospital, now she's at home. We now do know what's going on. I'm, I'm not going to share details and just, just trust me out of respect. Uh, my parents are private people and we as a family, my brothers and sister agreed, like, let's just not, let's not talk about the specifics publicly until mom and dad are wrestling with the implications. So just respect that. Someday I will share, and some of you do know uh, the specifics in detail, but it's, it's very discouraging news. And, um, but here's what you need to know about my mom and dad. Uh, they are, Lord willing, in November, going to celebrate 54 years of marriage. And they, like, love one another deeply, and they enjoy one another. And about 50 of those 54 years, about half a century has been spent following Jesus. They, they weren't Jesus followers when they got married. They were acquainted with Jesus, knew about him, but really didn't walk with him. And I can say with confidence, because I'm 51, so in all of these years, I have seen my parents follow Jesus. I'll save the cry for the end, but I figure I'll just get it out of the way. Um, and, and, and what I have to say is like, Jesus isn't an add-on to their already full life. And that's beautiful to watch. And frankly, on a side note, I don't know how anyone can go through life with all of its ups and downs without knowing reality and without knowing Jesus. Because if we're counting on us to make it through this life, I think we'll all realize by now we're going to be severely dis disappointed. And if you're counting on other people to be the ultimate hope to get you through, oh, you're going to be disappointed. If you're counting on things 
like stuff, like houses and experiences and cars and, and vacations and moments. If that's what our hope is built on, oh my gosh, we're going to be severely disappointed. But my mom and dad, they put everything on Jesus. And, and here's the beautiful thing. When you live that way, it impacts the people around you. So my parents didn't force us to follow Jesus. Now, they were very clear. Sunday is the day where we go to church. Are you breathing? Yes, we're going to church. But I'm, I'm kind of sick. You're not that sick. We'll pray for healing. We're going to church. But mom, there's a game. What's a game compared to King Jesus? We're going to church. So they were good in their rhythms of helping us be in the presence of Jesus' people. But here's what's happened over time. My brothers and my sister, we all have our own story of how we got there, but we're all like passionately pursuing Jesus, and it's because of them. Amen. It's not like some institution set us free. No, people that we love and respect, and they're still consistently in their 70s following Jesus. And so when we think about the phrase, helping people experience life in Jesus, Hopefully that gives you a vision. You may not be married. You may be single. You may already be on the empty nest. Your marriage may have broken apart for whatever reason, and now you find, find yourself trying to figure it out. Okay, all of those things may be real, but here's what we can know. If today we'll actually follow Jesus, the trajectory of our life will change, and the trajectory of other people's lives will change as well, for good, if we'll stick with him. And this is the vision of the church. That, this, say you are a parent, and one of your little ones walked off, and they're, they're crying right now, terribly. And you're saying, Lord, will you calm them down? Or they're enjoying themselves wonderfully. And you're saying, Lord, can we meet seven days a week? Because I could use a break. Whatever the case may be, know this, that this is all a part of how we can help people experience life in Jesus. You see, it takes actual intentionality. And some of you have heard the phrase, helping people experience life in Jesus for a long time now. It's been our driving vision. And some of you were an 11 and a half year old church. Some of you have been here since day one. I'm just curious, how many of you have been here, just wave your hand at me, you've been here since day one. Oh my goodness, this is amazing. God bless you, bless you, bless you. You, you made it. Can you just stick with it another 30 or 40, okay? Like, come on, we're doing well. And uh, that's, that's great, but for many of you, and I know statistically, because I know how long you've been here, because we have a thing called Planning Center, and when you sign up for something, we know when your journey's begun. For most of you, it's like a year, or two, since COVID. More than half our church has joined our church since COVID. And so what we want to do is we want to reorient who God's created us to be so that we'll live into it. All right, last week we looked at um, the first part, which is helping people. We looked at Luke 10. We looked at Jesus and the, the story of the good Samaritan and this love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And last week, if you were here, hopefully you remember, Jesus is saying, if you want to help people, you need to value people, right? We need to see people as made in the image of God and valuable. We in our world are valuing all sorts of things, but for some reason we are devaluing people. And as Jesus people, we want to raise the value of every person, wherever they're at, 
wherever they're from, whatever they're going through, we value people. But not only that, we look for ways to value people. We don't just say, wow, that's another human created by God. No, I'm looking every day. I'm looking God, if I'm going to encounter people, someone at Fred Meyer this morning, if I'm going out to lunch afterwards, if I'm at work tomorrow, whatever, I'm looking for ways to value people. And then I want to do things, right, that bring value to people, not just, not just like them, but find ways in Jesus' name because they matter. Whether they follow Jesus or not, because they matter, I want to do things to value people. But then as a church, we want to encourage others to value people. This is, this is what it means to love God with everything. Oh, that was last week, and I said it way faster. Now this week, we want to look at the center two words, experience life. What does it mean when we say we want to help people? Okay, value people, look for ways to value people, do things that value people, encourage others to value people. I got that. But what does it mean when we say we want to help people experience life? Life. What is that actually like? Well, we look to the Bible because making stuff up isn't valuable. Going to the Bible is where we find our center for everything. So turn in your Bible, if you would, to Luke. Uh, last week we looked at Luke 10. Today we're going to look at Luke 6. Next week we're going to look back at Luke 10 and 11. But Luke 6 gives us this little nugget of, of Jesus doing something that brought an experience of life. And so I want to use this as a template to talk about how we want to experience life. And let's just look uh, at Luke 6, and we'll start in verse 12. It says, one of those days uh, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Now that's worth 10 messages right there. Jesus! God made flesh, the Son, spends all night in the presence of the Father. Now that's experiencing life. And if Jesus, God the Son, invests all night with the Father, why is spending an hour and a half once a week too much? Now I'll get back to that later on. How can we experience life like Jesus is life if we don't do what Jesus did? Why would we say, like, man, I'm, I'm, how many of you are just saying in your soul, don't answer, I'm experiencing the abundance of life of God. Life's not perfect. Work is hard. Family's hard. Finances are tight. All that. But, man, in the middle of all this mess, I'm experiencing the life of God is, like, growing in me. If you are, I can tie it to your time with God. This doesn't happen, folks, automatically. Your time with God is what will fuel your experiencing life. Let's do it in reverse. No time with God will not lead you to experience life. You say, well, I, I already started following Jesus. Great. Jesus spent all night praying. And he was God, the Son. All right, that was a random one. That was a bonus for you. Verse 13. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he also designated sent ones, apostles. Simon, 
whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and another Judas, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Talk about a tagline. Bummer. Okay, so this is the people that Jesus chose to experience life. And when we say experience life, I want to I bring out four things that I just see like right in the text. We're going to keep reading here. But we see here in the life of Jesus. But, but don't miss the first line. Jesus modeled this by spending time with the Father. Out of his time with the Father, he can draw people to himself to experience the life that he'd already been experiencing with the Father. And, and so I'm here partly because of the faithfulness of my mom and dad to walk with God. It brought my eyes and ears to see, here's a comparison between all my buddies and my parents. All my buddies' parents and my parents. And over the decades, I've been able to see, not, not my parents are not perfect, they have issues, like we all have issues, but I've been able to see in, in them this modeling of trying to pursue Jesus in all things, and it's, it's led to my life change. So Jesus is modeling life with the Father, and then he calls them out. Four things I want you to write down that, that I mean when I say we want to help people experience life. Four things. Number one, Jesus calls us. If we're going to help people, what we want them to realize is that Jesus is calling them. Jesus invites Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, brothers, James and John, brothers. And he, he, he calls out of this, at this time, there are crowds following Jesus. Crowds and crowds. But out of the crowds, he calls some people even closer to himself. And what we want people to know is that when Jesus is calling, we ought to respond. To experience life is to respond to God. That, it's that simple. This is not complicated. And so I, I want you, more than anything, to respond to God. What is God doing? Respond to him. What is God saying? Respond to him. Where is God silent? Respond when he's silent. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus, when thinking about the sent ones that were going to continue his work, he spends time with the Father, and when the Father speaks, Jesus calls. And, and so at its basic level, closeness to Jesus is the source of joy in life. So helping people that is valuing them looking at words that value them, doing things that value, encouraging others to value, ought to push us somewhere. Push us to what? To help people to respond to Jesus' call. Let me just ask you, before we think about other people, how are you doing in your closeness with Jesus? How are you doing this week? How is this week in your closeness with Jesus? Because Jesus has all sorts of people, but then he grabs a few, 12 and he says, I want you to really walk with me and watch me and follow me and be with me. And this, my friends, is, is the essence of the Jesus life. It's not just about doing Jesus stuff. I mean, Jesus stuff is wonderful. Coming to a church building and gathering is wonderful. And, and reading the Bible regularly is important, vital. 
Wonderful. Giving generously. Wonderful. Fasting. Terrible! But wonderful. No food, no good. No food pursuing God above food. Wow, that's beautiful. Silence, terrible. Can't stand silence. When I'm silent, I'm racing in my head because I hate silence. But pausing to be with Jesus, wonderful. See, there are all sorts of things that are wonderful, and what we want to do is draw into those things that are going to help us live closer, closer, closer to Jesus. The invitation for people to experience life is the invitation to live close to Jesus. So Jesus always planned to do his work through his followers. You just need to know that. This isn't some random thing that just accidentally happened and then the world has changed. Jesus always intended to go to the cross to pay for our sin. We just sang it. How great thou art. On the cross, our burdens gladly bearing. He came for us to rescue. But the way that the world would know that he came to rescue once for all was through who? Through us. So he always intended to continue his work through his people. And so Jesus is always about helping people experience life in him. So we want to think about Jesus' calling. And in, in that, he calls 12 to himself. We also know he called 70 and sent them out. We also know after he died and rose again, paying for our sin, alive, victorious, he takes 120 in a room and sends the Spirit, and then the church grows by the thousands and has never shrunk since. The church has never shrunk. It's always expanded, always grown. Why? The power of God is at work in his people. So where there are people, there's the presence of God because God works in and through his people. And so what we want to reclaim is the experiencing life is about recognizing Jesus is calling you to be with him. And when you're with him, here's what you're going to know. You have particular calling. So the 12, he called to be his sent ones. They're not the only ones because there are more apostles when you get into Acts. There's a 12 original, and then the, the movement continues. And these aren't the only teachers. These aren't the only leaders. But these were the initial ones who would have the Jesus DNA. And then they would share, and then they would share, and so on and so on. And now when we think about what this means for you is you have particular callings. You know there are things that God wants for you to do that he doesn't want me to do. Thank God. I'm seeing my buddy Steve in the corner. He has the gift of flying. He's not like a superhero. He can't like, like literally fly. But I have no problem putting my life in his hands because he has the gift. He's a pilot. And, and he's a really good pilot. And he's an experienced pilot. And he's a former Air Force fighter pilot. So I trust him. He can do things I can't do. And that's a gift. And you know, in you is God-given DNA to do things, to be things, to, to, to enable you to love people in ways that I can't. And, and the beauty of the body is everyone has callings in everyday life. I'm not talking about, when I say callings, say anything like, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm called to preach or be a missionary and I don't have vocals and slick hair and, you know, I can't do all the stuff and, and I can't play the drums. I actually can. And, but, you know, I, but, I, but there, I can 
I can hold a baby. I can set up a chair. And I'm just talking about stuff like in-house. But more than that, you have particular callings in your place. You're at your work. Not because God's trying to torture you, although it may feel like it. And if you work at the church, now is not a time to nod because that would be really, really lame. But, not, but you have callings. You have, you have particular places. You live in neighborhoods. Why? Because you like the neighborhood and you like the house. That may be part of it. But God's bigger than your likes. And he put you in places for reasons that are beyond you. And why do you shop where you shop? Could it be that you have callings to value people? to love people, to see people, to be aware of people. And in a world that is so devaluing human touch, here is the church that loves one another tangibly and can be a model for the world. And, and again, some of this stuff is simple. I think of uh, Dean and Chris Hogan, and I did text them, say like I was going to brag on them. Uh, they've been part of our church five, six years now, and he, they happen to own one of the Chick-fil-A's here. And I love it because their perspective is so, is so helpful because in their mind, they're just leading kids. They got like an extended family. And, and they, they see their employees as part of their extended family that they're called to love and serve. And so what they want to do is while they're in their year, two years, whatever the time that they are in under their care, because they see themselves more as pastors than owners. They want to just build up these young people, wherever their faith is or isn't. They want to build them up. They want to see them go towards a future that's brighter. And they're all doing this in the name of Jesus. See, friends, this is experiencing life. They see their business as their mission. They see it as their opportunity to serve. And it wasn't always through Chick-fil-A. It was through other means. And it was different when they were raising their kids. And now that they're grandparents, they're, they're not here this morning because they sent one of their sons and his wife off to a weekend getaway, and they're watching the grandkids, and they had sniffles. So by God's grace, they kept the sniffles away. You should be thanking Jesus that they're not here because the kids have the sniffles. But even now, they're like, they don't want to tell, you know, their kids that the kids aren't feeling well because they want them to have a good time. That's experiencing life. You see, they're valuing people, and they're doing things to value people, and they see every person that they're connected with as an opportunity to lift and bless and love. And that's not, they're just not the only ones, and that's not the only way. I think of Stephanie Ray here. Any, any of you know Stephanie Ray? Just yes, yes. She's just everywhere loving people, and she has the gift of time and energy to serve. So whenever there's a need, it's like, hey, has anyone talked to Steph yet? You know, because she just by nature cares and says yes and answers the call. I think of Seth and Nat here. And even though with, you know, they're raising two little kids and business and all that, they're always looking for ways to connect and love and, and bless. There are so many. I can go on and on and on. See, we're living this out, but the calling for us is all to respond. And when everyone is on the same page, that's why we're doing this series. We're on the same page. We are here to value, love, help people, experience life, draw them closer to the love of Jesus by demonstrating the love of Jesus and the presence of Jesus in our own life, then things are going to change. Now, I love what Luke writes about these apostles. What happens next? Look, we'll keep going. Verse 17 of Luke 6. 
He went down with them, Jesus, and stood at a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there in a great number from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured. I just love how nonchalant Luke is about this. <laughs> He's healing people. He's removing impure spirits. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from Jesus and healing them all. Like I said, there's four things. I really emphasize the first because it, it leads to the rest. We have to remember that Jesus calls us. The second thing we need to remember is that Jesus changes us. Experiencing life is the invitation to draw close to Jesus, to respond to him day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Whatever he's doing and leading, I'm, I'm responding to him. And what am I responding to? The fact that Jesus changes us. Like we should, and, and we should bring everything to Jesus. Right now we're in the middle of a mess in my mom and dad's situation. We're bringing that to Jesus in our highs and our lows, in the regular, in the mundane. We're bringing all of life to Jesus. And why we bring it to Jesus? Because he's the one who can change it. And if there's something attractive in this world, it's someone who's being changed bit by bit by the goodness of Jesus. As he is encountering you, as you are drawing close to him, here's what will happen. You're not going to recognize the transformation. Others are going to see it before you do. That's just the way it works. He's just changing the way you think and feel and see. And you're, you're little by little moving more in a Jesus-like way. But other people are going to pick up on it. And so, so when we say help people experience life, we're saying respond to Jesus calling you. And respond to Jesus changing you. Participate. Don't resist. What's the number one way that we resist Jesus changing us. I'll tell you, it's convicting. It happens to be a thousand percent true. I'm a thousand percent convinced of this. And here's what it is. Neglect. You want to live untransformed? Simply neglect Jesus. You want to live unchanged? You want to live a static Christian life? You want to decline? You want to see your faith slip? It, you don't have to do some radical, don't rob a bank or do something vicious, simply neglect Jesus. Because Jesus is the source of life change. We're to hear his call and, and, and accept the invitation, pursue him, and then he does the changing. And so it's why we did an almost nine-month study in the Holy Spirit, and I hope that we haven't forgotten it so quickly. The reason we spent two-thirds of a year talking about the Holy Spirit was because the Holy Spirit is here and now for us to be continually transformed in the renewing of our mind. The Holy Spirit is here to continually... Now, change isn't always skyrocket up. Any of you who are an athlete, you know it's peaks and valleys, good days and bad days, struggles, and then victories. And so we wanted this year experience life. That is, draw close to Jesus continually, collectively, so that we can be changed continually and collectively. It's why, and I want to draw this out. For me, the highlight of our time together is the response. It's not the message. It's, are we actually responding? It's the reason we're, we used to have it in the back, and now we've made it on the sides to make it more central. It's why every week 
we're inviting any of us who's experiencing anything and says, I want simply to respond. We want to make that part of our rhythm and grow in that because we need to challenge and encourage one another that there's never a day, there's never a week, there's never a month where I do not need to respond to God. And so we shouldn't feel ashamed like, oh, did you see Jose walk up for prayer? Man, I would fall on my knees every week if it didn't become a show. Because there isn't a week I come in here that I don't need to respond to the love of God. I need to respond. We need to respond. So now you say, well, why do I have to move? Because Jesus said, follow me. And it's Jesus who said to the tax collector at the tax collector book booth, get up and follow me. To the fishermen who are fishing by the shore, getting nothing, come, follow me. The call to follow Jesus is a call to continual response. And we just want to grow in that. It's why in our community groups, we're pressing in to actually challenge one another in responding to Jesus. Uh, I think at the last tail end of the last session that we had, and we've been talking about listening to God and then sharing what he brings to mind. And it was so beautiful, right? In the backyard uh, of Mark and Aaron's house, we were there and we just took a few moments in their backyard and all just said, let's just be quiet for three to five minutes. Let's just be quiet. And if there's something that God wants to bring to mind in our group here, we want to hear it. And it was so beautiful after a few minutes, we just came and said, hey, did any scripture come to mind? Did any thought come to mind? And one by one, just loving people, ordinary people, regular people, just sharing with one another and encouraging, praying for one another. And it was, it was intentional. If you don't seek, you don't find. If you don't stop, you don't hear. If you don't pursue, you don't receive. And so some of us think like that spirituality and following Jesus is complex. Well, it's deep and it's rich and it's mind-blowing, but it's also understood by a five-year-old. Talk to him and listen. And do what he says. <laughs> okay? There's my deep theological treatise. Do what he says. And so we want to grow in experiencing life here in the gathering and at home. And then if we keep reading in Luke 6, uh, you're going to see the third thing that Jesus does. Let's just look real quickly. Verse 20. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, you'll be satisfied. Blessed are those of you who weep now, you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you. When they insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Great is your reward in heaven. That is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Somebody like Jesus was talking about my work environment right now. Right? Like, blessed are you when people don't get that you follow Jesus. Blessed are you when you seem exclusive to say that Jesus is the only way to God. How non-Portland can you be? Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for God when everyone else is doing their own thing and they laugh and they mock. Jesus calls us, Jesus changes us. And, and third thing you need to write down is, what does it mean to experience life? Jesus teaches us. 
I'm not going to read the rest. You read the rest of Luke 6, and it's Jesus teaching his disciples. So we want to grow this year in learning the way of Jesus and understanding the way of Jesus. We, we want to know what he's like. And if you read it, Jesus talks about how to love people. Jesus talks about how judging people never makes sense. Jesus talks about how to live life to the full. And then on the tail end, I'll just read the tail end. Jump to verse 46. After teaching him, he says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> That's convicting. See, the reason Jesus teaches us is that we would actually follow. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, actually does it, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, torn struck, that house that could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. We want to grow together in learning the way of Jesus, but not just knowing it to know it. Because look, I know lots of Jesus people who know the Bible well and don't live it. And at times, I could be one of them. But if we know it and actually don't work towards living it out, Jesus is saying is trouble's coming to everybody. And those who have yet to find the secret to experiencing life, closeness with Jesus, he's calling us. Life changed by Jesus, he's transforming us. Listening and living out the teaching of Jesus. He's working his will out in our life. Those are the ones who are going to be bedrock. And I could say, my mom and dad right now, even in the midst of this, their faith is not shaken one iota. Because their life has been so grounded in God that they know God is with them even though it feels like all hell has broken loose. So how do we do that here? If you're newer to our church, just know this. We don't do a lot on purpose. Because I don't want anything to distract you from joining and living in a community of people who are trying to wrestle with God's calling, God's change, God's teaching. And community groups are the greatest form that we have to live that out. Is it the only way? Absolutely not. But it is our way, and here's why. I've seen from experience from the time I was about three or four years old, as my parents started following Jesus, they joined a group, and then my dad ended up leading a group. And when I look at all of my 51 years of life, the most fruitful, growth-filled times have been in living rooms, talking about the Bible, praying for one another, and crying sweaty, nasty, snot-filled tears, because life sometimes is hard. And when you have people that you know now when your life is okay, you have a family of people to support you when your bottom drops. If you wait till life gets hard to connect with people deeply, it is too late. Now, God's grace is always there, and God will, God will get you through. But I want everyone in this church, every single person, deeply rooted in genuine relationship 
Look, we're not best friends, right? Joining a community group doesn't mean like you're stuck with these people forever. It's why it's eight weeks long and we have a gap. And at any point after those eight weeks, we encourage you to change if you feel like relationally or just whatever, it's not a great fit. Because eventually you're going to find your people, you're going to grow deep roots, and this is the gift of God. It's why we're going to go through these three sessions. We're going to go through 1 Corinthians. It's going to take all three sessions. And in it, we're going to learn how to study the Bible better, not by a class on how to study the Bible. What we're going to do is we're actually going to study the Bible, and then you're going to break it down in your group, and you're going to learn from one another, and you're going to find out who's got the secret sauce on how to figure out this passage, and you're going to steal their good notes, and you're going to learn and grow. And that's how we're going to do it. And any one of you who wants any stuff of the background, I will happily give it to you and send you a link to Google Drive where it's all sitting. You want to grow? We're committed to your growth, but the question is, will you respond? with a desire to grow. And for us, it's community groups. And that's not the only layer. It's just the most important one. We also have things, if you're a lady here, Taylor Turkington, who's part of our church, is a real gift, and she does these learn it, give it. She's doing it right now. She did it this weekend somewhere else, and she's flying back. And she's going to do a learn it and give it weekend intensive for our ladies here to know how to learn the Bible better and then give it to others. That's coming. We have men's and we have women's and we have youth and we have kids. We have all of these things and all of them are structured towards the same thing. We don't do a lot, but all of it's structured to help guide you to want to be with Jesus more often. To want you to experience his life change more deeply and to hear his teaching and Desire. I'm not saying we're ever going to get this in full. Desire to walk in it. Okay, no guilt trips, but that's the invitation this year. Helping people value. Look for ways. Do. Encourage to value people to do what? To follow Jesus, his calling, his change, and the teaching that he brings. But finally, don't miss it, because we got to come full circle. The first line that I read there is probably the most important. But write this down, number four, Jesus sends us. The, the purpose of his calling of the 12 was to encounter them, love them, transform them, teach them, but then send them. Verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he designated, and the word is apostle, which simply means sent ambassador. The goal of Jesus' calling was in the sending. And so to me, the, the fruitfulness of our community is not in your personal growth alone. Because to personally grow in knowing Jesus and following his teaching, that doesn't lead to you going out and trying to do what Jesus did is futile. It's only half the recipe. So which is more important? Because, you know, are we an outreach church where we're looking outward? Or are we an in-reach church where we're growing deep roots? And some of you, you're here because like, I want to grow deep. I'm like, great, then go. If you want to grow deep in Jesus, get out of here and do what he did. Because Jesus didn't sit and teach. He taught the crowds and then he touched them. He went one-on-one -on -one in homes. He sat with women who were scandalous at a well and he told religious people, you're going to hell. Because that's exactly what he said. You're religious people. You put a burden on people instead of helping them encounter me. You're making life with God hard and impossible. 
and he rebuked religious leaders and he hung out with prostitutes to tell them, you're forgiven, go and sin no more. So if you want to grow deep roots, then go. And if you're the going person, and you know where I'm slanted in this, I'm on the going side, you know what? I need fuel for my going. Because if not, it's just spiritual activity that's bankrupt. So we need to be a both end community where we're looking for ways to go in Jesus' name and we're actually doing what Jesus did. Now, final word, and we want to respond in communion together, and then we're going to sing. We're going to do communion as I finish this message together as the signpost of the kind of people we want to be, and then we're going to sing some songs. I have to speak to the reality of the trend in post-COVID life, and I don't see it in deep roots here, but it's out there. And some of you, are in your mind, you're like wrestling with it, so let's just call it what it is. I think, uh, COVID is more transformative and more painful than we want to give credit. We're, we're not out of it. Now we're wrestling with what happened, right? And the implications in every area of life. We're thinking differently, we're shopping differently, we're acting differently because this massive event happened to the world. And so here's what's happened in the trends you've seen it. Have sporting events come back in mass, yes or no? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, has eating out come back in mass, yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. Um, have concerts come back? Yes. Like with a vengeance? Okay, okay. All of that has come back. And we all feel like it's, it's safe to do those things. Here's what people are struggling with. Connecting deeply with their local church. Now, there are lots of reasons, and I'm going to make this simplistic, but here's what I'm going to suggest. That if there's something pulling you away from deep roots in this local church, and this is your home, then you need to wrestle with that and follow Jesus. Because I do not see in the Bible Jesus calling one disciple and saying, follow me without the other group as well. And it seems to me all throughout the pattern of the Bible and the history of the church, it has always been the larger collective of God's people in worship and praise, and then the smaller connection for growth and discipleship and sending. We need both. And so I'm inviting you unapologetically to up your commitment to the people of God, not to the events, right? It's easy to say, oh, Jose, you're a preacher. You want to see people, not empty seats, right? No, no, I'm saying for our good, we need to be here. And here's why. You never know when someone is going through something that God is calling you to be an answer to. And if, if you just say, well, you know, I, go, I eat out as frequently as I used to. I do sports as much as I used to. But, but church, when, when it's convenient, then I'll come. Is that the posture of response to the people that Jesus loves? That's what I would ask you. Is Jesus asking you for less commitment to his people so that you can camp more often, stay out late on a Saturday more often, um, have me time more often? Now, I'd I say, like, all those are important, except the camp. I'm not a big camper, so I, I can ditch that one. But, 
But all those things, I'm not, I'm not saying a legalistic, ritualistic, you need to be here. But if we can't carve out two hours on a Sunday and a couple hours in someone's home and we expect God to grow us, are we kidding? Right? So I, I'm saying that is the baseline. What I'd love to see is more homegrown, hey, our group spent half the night praying and no one asked us to. We just felt like it was what we were supposed to do. Or Wednesday night, all these youth groups are going to be there, and, and I'm committing Wednesday night. I don't need Netflix. I don't need Hulu. I want to be home fervently praying for God to work, and I'm going to walk the streets of downtown Hillsboro until heaven comes down or whatever crazy thing you want. What if, what if we had that because we desired it, not because some preacher said you should show up into a building? That, that, that's the heart. And if we want others to experience life, shouldn't we get a taste of it first? And that's, that's the invitation. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.